This is Marginalia, a production of KMUW Wichita. Marginalia. Notes in the margin of a book. Notes, commentary, and similar material written in the margin of a book. Comments and notes which are incidental incidental or additional to the main topic. topic in the margin of a book. Described as a queer social media pioneer, Jill Gutowitz is very familiar with launching some of her most personal thoughts and memories into cyberspace via Twitter and Instagram, as well as various published essays and articles. What's not so familiar? Putting these musings into book form. Girls Can Kiss Now is the resulting essay collection by Gutowitz that dives into her opinions on pop culture, queer culture, and her own sexual identity. I recently spoke with Gutowitz along with Marginalia producer Haley Krausen about the current state of queer representation in media and what it was like to release into the world some of her raw and deeply personal experiences. I'm Beth Golay, this is Marginalia, and here's our conversation. The first line of the introduction from your publisher describes you as an acclaimed cultural writer and queer social media pioneer. (laughs) Girls Can Kiss Now is your debut essay collection. Can you give our listeners a description of the theme of this collection? Yeah, I think Girls Can Kiss Now, um, you know, there's a lot of cultural commentary, kind of like the stuff that I have done online and for women's magazines and stuff. A lot of analytical and some humor about stuff that was queer that I had growing up or stuff that wasn't that I interpreted to be queer. You know, I would say it's half and half. It's half essays that are cultural commentary, half a little bit of memoir. And I think I dive deeper in ways in this book than I have online or in anything I've written before. So I think the themes, you know, are like a lot of discovery of self, of self-worth, of my own sexuality, of course. It's kind of a coming of age, I think, for me and uh, learning how to be a queer adult with very little roadmap of how to do so and also how to fall in love, I think, in the same without a roadmap, too. So for the essays in this book, were they all written for this book? Because I, I did see an excerpt on Cosmopolitan. Do they live elsewhere? They were all written for the book. And then, yeah, Cosmo published um, an excerpt, uh, I think, a week, two weeks ago, maybe. Okay. Yeah. All right. So as I began reading your first essay, I realized Mm. that in the late 90s and the early aughts, I was not paying attention to the world around me. (laughs) I was raising kids. And back then we didn't have social media. Mm -hmm. Um, So as I was reading your book, I was learning about people and events for the first time. But then I talked to Haley Krausen, our producer, who is joining us today, and I'd learned that she was reliving them. So this book could be for people like me to learn, or it could be like a return of sorts for readers like Haley. To take that a bit further, I think this book is about how you phrase it at one point, the lesbianism, um, and also (laughs) your journey accepting your own sexuality. But I don't think of this as a book for lesbians exactly. In fact, I think it should probably be read by those who may not identify as queer at all. Um, So what are your thoughts on who this book is for and who your intended audience is? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think, yeah, like queer women, especially millennial queer women or Gen Z, people who are super online is like an obvious natural readership here. I think it's for women. It's for people who like pop culture, um, anyone who considers themselves um, an ally to, you know, many of the oppressed communities that we continue to talk about and delve into and realize, you know, ways that we can better the lives of people that we've kind of hurt in the past through media, you know, so I I think that you definitely don't have to be queer to read this. 
you're right. I think, you know, people can learn from it, especially if you, you know, are straight or white or, you know, like you can learn a lot about the ways that media has hurt people in the past and how we can like all do better and be more aware of the things we say and how they affect people. Girls Can Kiss Now feels so different from any other book I've picked up in part because of your honesty and the humor and in part because of the content. And because it seems so fresh and original, I'm wondering if you were influenced by any other authors or if this felt completely original. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's like I, not necessarily one influence or one, you know, kind of person I was trying to emulate. Um, I think like, I love Joan Didion. I love, um, not that this book is like Joan Didion's not, please don't take that as me comparing. Um, but you know, like, uh, you know, on the more serious, like journalistic side of the spectrum, I love Joan Didion. Um, I used to really love, um, kind of like funny essay collections by, I used to read like um, a lot of like Chelsea Handler's books and uh, David Sedaris's books. Um, on the more recent side, like I love Samantha Irby um, and I love um, Kristen Arnett, who's a queer novelist. So it's like, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, all over the place. I just, um, I think, yeah, I think I was going for something that um, was more unique and specific and not necessarily, um, I don't know. I, yeah, it's 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 really a mix of humor and and the emotional. So uh, yeah, I was just pulling from from stuff that I personally like. I think in your teens, you were struggling with wanting to be more, which manifested for you as wanting to be an actress. I yeah. would say you have the best, most supportive mother in the world as well. <laughs> um, but actually, you were learning about your own sexuality. So now that you've come to embrace who you are, do you still have these feelings of wanting more or you feel like you've, you've reached the pinnacle, I suppose? No, I, I definitely feel like I've reached the pinnacle. I feel like I went through in the past few years, really like grappling with this, some of which I did, you know, in writing the book, you know, there's the last chapter of the book where I kind of grapple with my own personal investment in pop culture as a whole. And, you know, that used to manifest in me feeling like, I need to be famous. I need to be bigger than all of this so I can escape having to feel anything negative because if I could be adored by the masses, then I wouldn't have to feel small ever. And I think I have come to a place of like personal peace with this and feeling like, um, you know, there's like a line in the book where I say like that, I, you know, maybe I don't have to be special after all. And maybe I just want to, you know, have a little life with you know a wife and kids and our plants and whatever and yeah I think that's why you know in some ways it's like an adult coming of age or it's like maybe these things like wanting to be an astronaut as a kid or whatever that seemed so glittery and exciting isn't what I want for myself now in my adult life. I was just going to kind of jump on that because of the now I want to talk about the title I, I read a, an interview you gave and mm -hmm. you know it was to them that the title girls can kiss now represents a parallel timeline a mainstreaming of lesbianism in pop culture and your personal journey growing into yourself and your personality so mm -hmm. when along that timeline did you reach the now part of your life yeah I think all of it, you know, both timelines with the the mainstreaming of of queer or of, or lesbian culture, and you know, me feeling really coming to a place of peace with myself and my own sexuality happened in the last like decade. Um, so, you know, I think that, you know, I didn't come out until I was twenty three, which was in twenty 
15, I think, 14. Um, and I'm like, how old am I? Um, <laughs> Welcome but, to my world. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and, you know, and, and even after that, it was like, it was like that blew my world open. I was like, whoa, how could I not have known this thing about myself all this time? And then after that, it took another few years to really kind of settle in and, and feel good about it, you know? Um, and feel actually good about it and not just in ways where I was like screaming on Twitter saying like, I'm, you know, loudly, proudly gay, but you know, like, like really truly in my heart of hearts feeling good about it. Um, and so I think, you know, on the personal, I think it maybe like five years ago is when I really started to feel like, <laughs> oh, girls can kiss each other. And that's awesome. Um, and I think that was it was kind of a parallel timeline with the kind of content that I was consuming over the past decade and the things that um, normalized it in my own mind that made me also then be able to visualize like, whoa, girls can kiss each other and it's cool. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about cinema, um, both romantic comedies and lesbian films, both are widely misleading and also formative for a lot of people. Mm. Um, and you have a section um, that's about the format of lesbian films that cracked me up that they're often <laughs> period pieces with two women just glancing at each other and then it ends in tragedy um, and I'm going to quote your own words at you at one point you wrote whether they can't be together because of homophobia or no that's it it's always homophobia society <laughs> back when we used to live in a society told these women you cannot be together and they said glance talk to me about lesbian films and the representation of lesbians in the media yeah, I think, you know, with that specific reference, the glancing, it's like there's so many um, lesbian movies where uh, they either take place, you know, in, in the 1800s or even in the 50s in, in a time period when, uh, you know, expressing any sort of sexual desire for another woman was very scandalous, if not punishable by violence. And so, you know, I think a lot a lot of it comes out in glancing because it's like the only thing that these women could do to communicate desire to each other was a quick glance from across the room, um, which I think is not, you know, it's become kind of like a funny meme about, you know, how lesbians love to glance at each other. But it's, I think it's based in in reality. It's what I think is based in our, in our history, if you will. I love a like, um, disobedience uh, kind of movie as much as, as much as the next. But I also, you know, my favorite kinds of portrayals of queer women in movies are like, I love the movie, The Kids Are All Right. That movie to me is like a dramedy, which is kind of my favorite kind of movie, but it's also just like about a family, like a lesbian couple who has children dealing with just family stuff. And it's kind of like the mundanity of a suburban family in ways that we don't really like see a lot of lesbian stories told, you know? I think a lot of them tend to be really like scandalous and exciting and like a big secret which again is also fun but yeah I think like that's the kind of thing I would like to see more of more rom-coms more portrayals of lesbians as human beings multi-dimensional human beings to follow up on what you're saying um do you think that there has been any evolution in lesbian films or do you think we'll get there in our lifetimes yeah I, d I do think there has been but I also I almost feel like we've stalled like I um, I feel like in 2017 and 2018, there was like almost this boom of, um, of not just queer movies, but um, 
like movies that were being, you know, nominated at the Oscars and, you know, there was like the favorite and disobedience. Um, and it, it, it felt like there were these really artistic and beautiful and funny, um, speaking about the favorite, not disobedience, uh, disobedience is not funny, um, you know, movies that were uh, really being elevated and adored. And I feel like, um, uh, I guess a, a theme that I've seen lately is that there's almost this like, uh, you know, pervasiveness of queer people in TV shows and movies. Um, but it's like one queer person in a group of friends that are all straight or something, you know, it can be kind of inauthentic. Like it feels as if we're like trying to put a queer person in everything to like, uh, you know, fill a quota rather than telling like queer stories. So I think for me, like, I would like to get back to a place of like in 2017 and 2018, which was a, a short lived moment that felt really good where it was like uh, movies that centered uh, you know, queer women and queer stories and not just kind of tossed somebody in there that felt, you know, kind of half-baked. I'm curious about, you know, platform or medium. How is writing a book of essays different from some of the other content that you create, like tweets or blogs or magazine articles, or or is it? Yeah, no, I, you know, I I was really, really grateful to be able to have this platform to write a book because I think that I was able to write in more like long form ways than I had before. And that gave me the opportunity to, you know, get more personal and do deeper dives. And I think sometimes media can be, uh, writing for media can be frustrating because, you know, you have to fit the certain voice or tone of whichever outlet, there's a word count, um, you know, and a lot of them also with like personal essay, they have this kind of like moral at the end of the story or something. It's all like wrapped up in a nice little, um, you know, ribbon. So I think that being able to break free from a format that I got really used to and didn't even really realize at the time that it felt kind of limiting was really, really nice. I mean, I, I love a tweet. I, I'll, I appreciate a tweet. You know, there's something about having only, I think it's 280 characters to squeeze in the joke or the message that feels like almost a fun exercise. You know, it's like, I, th I think Twitter can be a really good like writing exercise and keep you fresh and on your toes. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed writing a more long form kind of piece. What is it like being so raw in your essays? I mean, some of the stories you tell are quite personal. Is it scary releasing these into the world or is, is this what you're really most comfortable with? Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it'll be interesting to see once it's out um, how people respond, because in some ways I don't feel scared at all, where I'm just like, detached from it in this way where I got it all out and now it like you know belongs to everyone else to consume um but I think that if I you know being confronted with talking about some of those things might make it feel really real and scary in ways that I don't know yet um you know there's certain essays that you know like I wrote about my experiences with sexual assault that to me in some ways felt less um less scary to write down because I know that this is something that so many people have struggled with and I knew that it would feel better for me to get it off my chest you know and and I've and I've written a little bit about it before and it was you know I don't want to like uh uh it, it was really really hard to to write and to get down and to and to edit um but there you know it's like 
there's other stuff in there that I think that's personal. That's about, uh, you know, past, past relationships and, and my current relationship and stuff that I'm almost like, that feels scary to me because it's so personal to, to just me and my experience. Um, so I get, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> some of it feels scary. Some of it I am feel genuinely detached from right now. <laughs> Um, the book reads almost as if you did get your happy ending that so many women in lesbian media did not get. Is that off base or did you intentionally show what an ongoing happy lesbian relationship looks like or your happy ending? Yeah, totally. You know, I, I, I keep saying and I maintain that this book is a love story. And I think something I had mentioned earlier is that because I didn't grow up with many representations of queer relationships in the media, it's almost like I felt like I had no roadmap for how to do it. You know, I did a lot of um, toxic stuff and stuff that really hurt my feelings and felt really like fun and exciting, but ultimately deadened my soul a little bit <laughs> um, when I was really like dating, dating. And, you know, I think that the happy ending comes from like my own personal journey of like learning to just choose the things that feel good you know, and that can continue to feel good. It's like my own growing into adulthood and learning how to be in relationships. I personally would love to see more like success stories for queer relationships. So I did want to like put that into the world and I'm like, it's going well, you guys. <laughs> well, the book is Girls Can Kiss Now and it is available in bookstores today. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for having me. That was Jill Gutowitz, author of the book, Girls Can Kiss Now, which was published by Atria. Thanks for joining us for Marginalia. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review. Marginalia was produced at KMUW Wichita. Our engineers are Mark Stasser and Torrin Anderson. Our editor is Luann Stevens. And our producer and guest co-host is Haley Krausen. This is Marginalia. And for KMUW, I'm Beth Golay. <laughs>